Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Hi, I'm Where We Live producer Tess Terrible with Where We Live host Lucy Nelpathanchel. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Tess. It's New Year's Eve. 2020 is nearly over. And Lucy, I'm seeing a lot of posts on social media celebrating the end of this incredibly difficult year. So it only feels appropriate that we end this year talking about what we're grateful for. This show originally aired, and it took about a month of planning and producing, and I know you were a bit skeptical when I first pitched it. I was. I was thinking it has been a hard year, and I wondered, would listeners call in to share gratitude when so many of us have been dealing with new burdens? Yeah, and despite this being such a tough year, I still believe we have a lot to be grateful for. I hope as we count down to midnight tonight, we can all take a deep breath, think about the things in 2020 that went right, the things that we were blessed with, and let go of this year with gratitude and grace. Um, There are moments of joy and grief. Back in November, Lucy and I were in one of our weekly team Zoom meetings where I found myself just overcome with grief, suddenly bursting into tears in the middle of this meeting and sharing with my team that someone that I loved had recently been diagnosed with COVID-19. I've always been told, Lucy, (laughs) that you shouldn't cry at work, but when I look back at that moment, I'm so grateful that my team responded to me with kindness and compassion. It's these moments of love that I am so grateful for this year. Well, we're definitely grateful for you, Tess. And if you're trying to make me cry, I think it's working. (laughs) Yeah, 2020 has been its so brutal and so beautiful all at once. I have been brought to tears myself by moments of hardship as much as I've been brought to tears by moments of kindness. And for that, I'm tremendously grateful. So I hope you enjoy the show of gratitude. Lucy, I remember recording this show live and just being overwhelmed by the amount of listener calls we had and how people responded to it. Yeah, me too. It was a a powerful hour of radio, Tess. And I hope it makes you grateful too. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. In a year of so much loss, it's not easy to talk about gratitude. But I'll start. Personally, it's been a rough several months. But when I think about it, 2019 for me was not so great either. My mother passed away late last year, and then my beloved dog died just one month later. And then 2020 rolled in. It's the relationships that have kept me going. I've said it before, but I have a great team. My show producers, Tess and Carmen, and our tech producer, Kat. We've been doing Where We Live remotely since March, and minus a few tech hiccups, we continue broadcasting this way so I can talk to each of you, which I'm grateful my team communicates daily, often through the program Slack. I have never used more emojis to communicate in my life until now. I'm especially grateful for the conga parrot emoji. At home, I'm grateful my husband and I have coordinated our schedules, sharing remote school duties with our work responsibilities. And I'm grateful for my two kids, Cormac and Willow, who show me each day what resiliency looks like. Today, where we live, what are you grateful for? We want to hear from you. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. 
Sue emailed and shared, I am so grateful for FaceTime, Zoom, and Instagram. They've kept my husband and I connected to friends and children who live far away. I've even made new friends through Zoom. And despite all its problems, we could not have survived this isolation without these digital meeting places. Now joining us now on Zoom is our first guest, Janice Kaplan, author of The Gratitude Diaries and host of The Gratitude Diaries podcast. Janice, welcome to the show. Good morning. So I, I talked uh, about uh, some of the things that I'm grateful for in my life, uh, especially this year. And I wanted to hear what you're grateful for today, Janice. Well, I absolutely love the way you did that, Lucy, because it's exactly what the definition of gratitude is. Gratitude doesn't mean that everything is going perfectly. And as you described, you didn't have a wonderful year last year or you had a bunch of things that went wrong and and same with this year. And being grateful doesn't make the bad stuff go away. It doesn't change that. But it allows you to remember that you can have a different perspective. It allows you to reframe the events of the year and to find some things that are good and hopeful. And I try to do that every day now. And uh, being able to do the Gratitude Diaries podcast has actually been a wonderful mindset these last few months because I wrote the book a few years ago and doing the podcast now brings me back into every day thinking about new perspectives, new reasons to, to be grateful and to remind people how to think about the world in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Now, we reached out to our listeners uh, here in Connecticut, uh, Janice, uh, on social media uh, to share their thoughts. So we even hear, heard from some former guests like uh, Jackie Hubbard, who is the executive artistic director of the Ivoryton Playhouse. This is what she shared. This is Jackie Hubbard from the Ivoryton Playhouse in Ivoryton, Connecticut. I don't think we really have the vocabulary yet to describe this year. So many deaths and lives devastated. But in many ways, it has broken us open and made us feel everything more deeply, grief and joy and all of the things that make us human. And I'm so grateful to all of the people in my life who've brought me to tears with their generosity of spirit and their love of life this year in the face of such horror. I don't want to go back, but forward with this new sense of shared brokenness and healing together. Mm. I thought that was so powerful, Janice, especially when uh, Jackie said, this year has broken us open and made us feel everything more deeply. It is very lovely. And it's important to understand that gratitude isn't just for the good times and it isn't just Mm -hmm. for the bad times either. I think a lot of us expect, say things like, oh, I'll be grateful when I have something to be grateful for. And if that's your attitude, honestly, you're never going to be grateful uh, because gratitude is something that you look for. Just as that beautiful uh, audio you just played it in the midst of a very difficult year, you say, yeah, there's that side of it. And then what have I learned from this and how can I grow? And gratitude gives you that sense of control of being able to move forward, of finding some hope, of finding some brightness. If everything is endlessly bleak and endlessly dark, then it's very hard to move forward. But with gratitude, you're able to say, oh, yeah, there is that little sliver of brightness. And even in these very dark times, I'm able to find something hopeful. And that is a way of moving forward. You're hearing Janice Kaplan again, author of The Gratitude Diaries and host of The Gratitude Diaries podcast. Linda's calling in from Summers. Hi, Linda. Hi, there. I'm very grateful for just being here. My husband passed in September of 2019. I'm grateful that he did not pass during the COVID 
so that we could have a decent funeral and a wake for him. But after he passed and COVID began, I just wake up every morning, open my blinds, and look at the beautiful sky, the earth, and thank God for another glorious day. And I found a friend to walk with here in summers, and we walk anywhere between two and four miles a day. It's uh, somebody who lives on the very next street that I haven't known about, and we've both been in summers for more than 40 years. I have a lot to be thankful for. My children keep in touch with me. I've learned how to Zoom. (laughs) I've learned a lot of things that I never even knew were available. And uh, I am not a person that gets depressed. I am grateful, thankful, and I hope to share this with everyone. When you wake up in the morning, open your blinds, look up at the sky, and look at the glorious earth that we have here. Thank Linda, you. thank you so much for sharing that with us here on Where We Live. Uh, Janice, that's so beautiful, that uh, statement that Linda made about uh, losing her husband and still finding things to be grateful for, motivated to wake up each day, and finding new friends. Lucy, I love that. You have the best listeners. What a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> statement that was. And, you know, my point that gratitude is really in your perspective, I think uh, that listener made that really clear, right? You could just imagine her or someone uh, the opposite of her saying, this has been a terrible time. My husband died last year. It's been COVID. I've been all alone without him. And both of those perspectives are correct, right? Both of those things are true. And we sometimes think that the negative is more real than the positive. And I'm not sure why we believe that. But I often hear people say, oh, you know, my my friends, uh, my friends just have on rose-colored glasses, but I see the truth. Well, the listener who just talked about her husband dying and, and last year so sadly and, and all of the wonderful things she has been able to feel in this year, doesn't have on rose-colored glasses. She sees the world as it is, but she's looking for the positive and looking for uh, the truth in in beauty and in, in the lovely things she said. And I think that's a wonderful message and image for all of us. Mm-hmm. We're hearing from Senator Gary Winfield here in Connecticut on Twitter. I'm grateful for perspective, recognizing that anything that didn't have to happen is an opportunity I didn't have to have. I'm grateful to wake up, feel my toes touch the ground, to have been brought to life storms, to just be. Kathy writes, the friends who dropped off food when we couldn't leave the house, fabulous co-workers at Connecticut Legal Rights who have kept doing the work, and the media outlets that have shared my story. I believe uh, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is with us now on the phone. Hi, Governor. Good morning, Lucy. So we want to know what you're thankful for, Governor Lamont. I'm really thankful uh, in particular for the essential workers. Uh, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, they showed up every day. They couldn't telecommute. They couldn't just stay at home. Uh, they were there, um, you know, taking care of our, our grandparents in the nursing home. They were there um, going into the ICU. They were there as food service workers, making sure people uh, got fed. They were there as daycare um, folks. So a special shout out to the essential workers. We need you more than ever, and, and we recognize that. 
Mm, that's an important point, Governor. Uh, before we let you go, I wanted to share, we reached out to our listeners on social media. Some emailed us, including Randy from North Brantford. And this is what Randy wrote. I am thankful for Governor Lamont and his administration. They've been on top of COVID-19 from the beginning and have made correct decisions no matter how unpopular they were. Their leadership has probably saved countless lives. How do you feel when you hear that, Governor? Uh, I say right back at you, Randy. Um, we are very fortunate you know, for the people of Connecticut. More than any other state in the country, uh, our folks wear the mask. And that's the most important thing you can do. We do that not just to keep ourselves safe, more importantly, to keep you safe, others safe. So, uh, Randy, right back at you. I really appreciate your words. Well, thank you, Governor, for calling in. Deborah is actually calling in. She's in line waiting for a COVID test. Deborah, we hope you're okay. Tell us what you want to share. Well, we are extraordinarily grateful because as a result of the uh, pandemic, we've got our children and grandchildren living with us. So we have uh, in our household a four-year-old and twins who are nine months old. And um, there is nothing like holding a little baby, you know, I, I mean, just lying there with a baby on your chest is just guaranteed to give you joy. Mm, what a blessing to have your grandchildren with you. Well, thank you, Deborah, for calling in to where we live. Just to piggyback uh, what Deborah shared with us, Janice, uh, Melissa tweeted, this year I am thankful for the continued evidence of my children's resiliency and the many, many hours that we've been able to spend together that would have normally been spent apart. Janice, what do you think about that? Absolutely. I think that finding those moments of, of joy and happiness within the pandemic, and there are so many people who did experience what your caller just said, that uh, children and grandchildren have been in lockdown or quarantine or spending time with them. And, you know, I think some people feel a little bit guilty about feeling grateful when they know that others are having a tough time, but it's okay. It's good to have that sense and it's good to share it. And I just wanted to comment also, Lucy, on that exchange with that very, very lovely exchange you had with the governor. And he talked about the essential workers, and then you had a caller uh, expressing gratitude to the governor. And what's so important there is to remember to express the gratitude. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we feel gratitude or we think it. Uh, we know it's going, we know gratitude is going to make us happier, but people tend not to express gratitude. And reaching out to somebody that as the person did to, to say to the governor, you're doing a great job. It makes the person receiving it feel good, but it makes you feel good too. The expressing of gratitude is just so important. The governor mentioned essential workers. Well, if there is somebody who has helped you, if there's a, if there's a doctor, if there's a healthcare worker, send them a note, shoot them an email, express your gratitude to them. There's actually lots of research that shows that writing a letter of gratitude can make you happier for weeks afterwards. So again, gratitude isn't just about thanking someone else. It's about adding to your own life and making yourself happier and better. You're hearing Janice Kaplan, author of The Gratitude Diaries, here on Where We Live. She also hosts a podcast with the same name. I wanted to share an important point that uh, Mariah tweeted to us. Uh, she writes, I suffer from major depressive disorder and have had a very difficult time that predates COVID. And I want to make the distinction that depression and gratitude are not mutually exclusive. One can be both depressed and recognize gratitude. Gratitude may be harder to come into focus when suffering, but it can still be there. Mariah started a weekly Shakespeare reading Zoom group, which brings her great joy, for example. 
There's also a lot of, she's absolutely right that gratitude and depression are not mutually exclusive, but there is also some great research um, showing that gratitude does relieve depression. Uh, when I was writing the Gratitude Diaries, I interviewed a, a psychiatrist at Mass General Hospital who's done extensive research into depression and very seriously suicidal patients. And he said at the time that gratitude interventions, including what I just described, the writing a letter of gratitude, often worked as well as any other treatments he was able to use. And that's pretty powerful. Uh, he, he has at his disposal all the pharmaceuticals one can possibly have for depression. Uh, but allowing people to focus on something good in their lives, to reorient themselves, that the letter of gratitude helps you think about somebody who has made a difference to you, somebody who says, you are important and I do care about you. And that focus, that ability to remind yourself that you feel grateful and that others feel grateful to you can be an enormous help in fighting real depression or just the moody blues that many of us get. Mm. Tell us more about what science tells us about gratitude, uh, Janice, and how it affects both our mental and emotional health. Sure. Um, as I said, there is a lot of research into, into gratitude and health, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised anymore that there are mind-body connections, but when I was doing some of my research for the book, I was constantly surprised by just how powerful it is that gratitude relieves stress, it lowers blood pressure, it helps you sleep better, and as we just said, it, it uh, has an effect on depression. I also found that gratitude seems to have an effect on your immune system. It lowers inflammation in the body. And uh, when, when I was writing the Gratitude Diaries, I used to have migraine headaches. And I came up with a plan for a, with a doctor who does integrative medicine on how I was going to use gratitude to fight migraine headaches next time I got one. Well, guess what? While I was writing the book, I never got another headache. And I asked the doctor about that and he said, well, of course, you're spending every day thinking and writing about gratitude. Your inflammation is way down. All of us have different uh, sensitivities, different things that are, are affected by stress, whether it's headaches or stomach aches, and taking that time to be grateful, to lower your inflammation, to lower your stress levels through gratitude can really have huge effects on your physical well-being. Janice, you said something earlier that I wanted to circle back on about how expressing gratitude is hard. Why is that? I think we sometimes worry that if we express gratitude, we sound soft and sappy. A lot of companies think that, oh, I shouldn't say thank you to the people who work for me. You know, I say thank you with a paycheck. It was that old 19, uh, 1950s attitude that I heard over and over again when I was doing my research. And the evidence is completely on the other side. When you're talking about a work environment, for example, we did a survey and we found that 80% of people said that they would work harder for a grateful boss. And 90% of people said that they thought a grateful boss was more likely to be successful because nobody succeeds on their own. When you express gratitude, people respond to it. 
But as I said, it's very hard because we somehow think it's putting us in a position of, of lesser power or we're undermining ourselves. Once you start doing it, though, uh, you start to realize how, how wonderful it is. I talk in the book about the very first month when I was working on the Gratitude Diaries and I decided to be more grateful to my husband mm -hmm. and to stop criticizing and to just notice the good things that he does and to thank him for all of the good things that he does. And it had an unbelievable effect on our relationship. It changed things so dramatically. And he, of course, just naturally, as one does, started being more grateful to me. Mm. And, um, you know, I had thought that being grateful to my husband for that first month of writing my book would be enough. But really, it ended up continuing for the whole year and all the years since. That expression mm. of gratitude, whether to a loved one, to a spouse, to somebody you work for, can make all the difference for both of mm. you. I wanted to take another caller. Anthony's calling in from Bristol. Anthony, you're on the show. Hi, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say I'm grateful for the lessons that I've learned so far in 2020. Um, I think that when things are hard, it's easier to learn um, because you, you face a lot of adversity. So I think we can take some great lessons forward. Um, first of all, I think what the governor said was spot on about the essential workers. And I learned a big lesson about how important they are in our society. I also learned that this virus spreads so quickly um, across the world. And the reason for that is because how interconnected we are. Uh, we really are very much reliant on each other. Um, so maybe in 2021, maybe we'll move forward and be a little bit nicer to each other because of that. And last but not least, there were some really important racial lessons that, that I think I learned here in 2020. Um, I never really understood some of the privilege that I have in my life until this year. Um, so I think that we really, we did a good job at at least bringing that up. Um, so those are some of the lessons I learned from a hard year. And I hope that 2021 is a little bit better because we will go forward with a little bit more knowledge. Um, so I am very, very grateful um, for those lessons. Thanks for taking my call, guys. And thank you, Anthony, for sharing that here on Where We Live. I want to thank Janice Kaplan, who joined us today on the show again. Uh, she's the author of The Gratitude Diaries and the podcast, uh, The Gratitude Diaries podcast. This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. As we head into break, we want to play for you what some former guests and some listeners shared with us about gratitude. My name is Quinn Trong. I live in Hartford, and I'm most grateful for all the people who have been so supportive of me and my spouse during this difficult time. Over the past year, my spouse has been sick with chronic Lyme, and a lot of people have reached out to support us in various different ways. Some people have offered to go grocery shopping for us. Um, others have dropped off food and reached out and connected with us via phone or video chat and we feel so supported while she's dealing with an illness, a long-term chronic illness. My name is Sarah Koffold and I'm from Stores, Connecticut. We had a series of unfortunate events befall our family late this last spring and I am most grateful for our friends and our home church family that took care of us during that time. They fed us, they shopped for us. Um, I don't know if we would have survived without their kindness, generosity, and love. Hello, I'm Belina Diebru from the Connecticut Shoreline. 
I am grateful for the many connections that have been made this year, despite the pandemic, and perhaps in spite of it as well. I am grateful for those who have reached out, stayed in touch, and for those while behind masks, still share smiles, welcoming waves, and help us to stay a part of the community. Hi, my name is Michelle Chula Lipkin. I am thankful for so much this year. I am thankful to have had the opportunity to witness the resilience of my family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues. To watch them navigate a global pandemic with patience and grace has been a gift. Most of all, I am thankful for my dog, Augie, who came into our lives September 5th and has made everything better. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpithanchel. Today we focus on gratitude. Uh, I want to go to the phones now. Uh, Burnett is calling in from St. Mary's Hospital. Burnett, are you there? Oh, good morning. Yes, Burnett is here. So tell me what you wanted to share. Well, briefly, um, 2020, many of us use it now as a, a coined phrase for things less than positive, and we search for things to be grateful for. Um, as the chief nursing officer at St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of New England, on a daily basis, we see many things to be uh, celebrated and to be positive for and the reinstallation of hope. We have frontline workers who come to work every day with their heart and their head, and they are hopeful, and they do amazing things. They are not the only uh, frontline workers. We celebrate the frontline workers of our community who we get to interact with in different levels. As leaders uh, in this organization, we spend more of our day with these frontline heroes than we sometimes do with our own personal families. So we are grateful for the caliber of colleagues that St. Mary's Hospital mm. has um, in its organization and for the frontline workers who we partner with to help take care of this community. Well, thank you, Burnett, so much for calling into the show uh, to share that. Uh, Tom is actually calling in from St. Francis. Uh, Tom Burke, who's president of St. Francis Hospital. Tom, what did you want to share? Good morning. Good morning, Lucy. Thanks for having me. You know, I think you know, when we reflect on this question, what we're thankful for, you know, I feel like we, we, I do this every year, but I think this year uh, that question certainly has much more meaning and resonates with me more than ever. And for me, I'm especially thankful for all the healthcare workers, not only at St. Francis and Trinity, but really those across the region and the state. And when I think back on what I have witnessed firsthand over the past year as the industry has dealt with the onslaught of the first wave, uncertainty about testing, uncertainty about PPE, we're unsure about the economy, we worry whether our kids are in school or out of school or a combination of both, and it's something that it can change on a daily or weekly basis. And, and, and the pressure that this puts on working families, and, and now to have to face a potential second wave of the pandemic, we know it's going to be difficult, but I think we're smarter, we're ready, uh, and I truly believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. So what I am most thankful for are the heroes who show up day after day after day without hesitation to care for our community, and that's the nurses, that's mm. our physicians, that's our PAs, that's our nursing assistants, our housekeepers our food and nutrition colleagues, our pharmacists, our lab techs, our radiology folks, security, our chaplains, our volunteers, our transporters, and many, many others that are too numerous to name. But it's them. It's, it's their resiliency that is inspiring. 
um, and the care they provide, I am most thankful for. Well, thank you, Tom Burke, for sharing that with us here on Where We Live. We reached out uh, to listeners and former guests uh, before today's show, and we heard from Tanisha Dugan from Theater Works Hartford. This is what she shared. This is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I'm actually thankful for the lockdown because it forced a recalibration of my life, um, making me see my family more, my children more, by sort of rebalancing where work fit in the overall balance of my life and recognizing that it's all my life, that the work that I love is my life, that my children that I adore is my life, that the people who support my life are my life. And I think trying to live with more intention and smallness, right? Like the life within the four walls of my house and the people inside of it are a world in and of itself and that I should be spending more time paying attention to that. I'm grateful um, for this time of reflection and shifting. Mm. Joining us now here on Where We Live on Zoom today, Adrian Gostick, uh, co-author of Leading with Gratitude. Adrian, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Lucy. Appreciate it. I think it's so refreshing to hear from so many listeners who are taking time to share with us what they are thankful for. When you think back uh, to 2020, what are you grateful for, Adrian? Um, you know, it's a, it's a great question. I think what Teresa just said there was so powerful because I think you're right. It, it, she's right. It, it's been a reset for many of us that perhaps we, we were a little frenzied. Um, I, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago for Forbes um, where I found about half of executives say they do not want to go back to their pre-pandemic frenzied lives after things hopefully get back to normal. And another scary fact was that 70% of executives who've been interviewed say they, they have some pretty serious mental health uh, challenges going through this pandemic. So I think the thing that I am grateful for is that it has been a reset for me and for my family and for many that I work with to be able to say, this is what matters most. And it's probably not jumping on a plane and flying here, there and everywhere. It's, it's really those human connections. When you were researching your book, what did you learn about how others are thinking about gratitude and reflecting on it, even before the pandemic? Well, I think it's been it's great. I've been able to, to sit down and listen this morning to this, so, so many powerful uh, thoughts from your listeners. And one of the unfortunate parts of, of hitting tough times like we are is we, you know, what, what's the first thing we do every morning? We, we open up our news feeds and we start doom scrolling, right? <laughs> and we create in our minds this little super highway of negativity. So we begin with negative every day. And so really what our research showed was we, we began researching Leading with Gratitude was that there's so much positive that can come from sort of turning that around. Um, we, we, we circulate dopamine in our brains when we, when we are more grateful. Um, and that's very powerful. We become, instead of glass half full people, we, be, we become uh, people who are looking for positivity every day. And, and that's a very hopeful place to be as we start looking for that. So the first part of gratitude really is seeing the good things that are happening around us. The second part, of course, is expressing that. So talk about how we make this a ritual in our lives. And, you know, we do, we deal a lot with leaders. So um, in my practice, we do a lot of executive coaching. And what we talk about is creating rituals. 
And so on the, in the workplace, we have a manager that we work with. He, he, has, he begins every day with 10 pennies in his right pocket. And every day, he want, his goal is to move those 10 pennies from his right to his left. And every time he moves one, he has to be grateful to somebody in a very specific way. And he works actually for the Avis Budget Group, you know, the car renters. And we talk about a tough time to work in car renting right now. Um, but his job is to, he thinks his job is to go around, and he's a general manager, is to go around looking for positivity. So if he sees somebody doing something good, moves a penny from right to left. And, and by the end of the day, he wants to move all those pennies. Well, you can just imagine how excited his people are to see him coming because they know he starts with positivity. And we can do this in our, in our homes, too. Uh, we create rituals, whether it's, you know, around the dinner table. You know, how often do we, you know, we're sitting around the dinner table with the kids and, hey, how was, how was, the, how was school today? Fine. What you do? Nothing. And so um, we talked to a, a marketing manager in New York recently. He told us he started this new tradition where he, he asks his kids three questions. First is, you know, who, what was the best moment of your day? Second is, who are you grateful for who's not at the table and why? And third question <laughs> is, who are you grateful for who's at the table who hasn't been thanked yet? And he says, you know, first kids hated it. Within a few weeks, this was their favorite part of the day. So we create these rituals in our lives to remind us to be grateful. Hmm. I want to take a call from a listener. Bill's calling in from New Haven. Bill, you're on the show. Good morning. Uh, I walked into my bedroom the other day. The leaves were off the trees on one side, and the sun was streaming in. There's a view out West Rock and a tree in full foliage out the other window. And I suddenly just thought, that's beautiful. And I just said, Yay! I live alone, so there was no one to wonder if I'd hurt myself or going off my rocker. And I realized that just the embodiment of saying, yay, uh, made me feel better and helped clear the space in my head for some positive thoughts uh, so that they, all of the woes didn't clutter up all of my brain. Mm. And I've tried to do that since, and it's not a ritual I have to prepare for. It just reminds me to, it's okay to respond to the moment. Oh, well, Bill, thank you for that reminder. Uh, Christy's calling in. Christy, you're on the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Oh, good. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me on. So I think the three for this year for me have been resilience, relationships, and new experiences. Um, I think my relationships have gotten stronger because I've really been intentional with with. Um, seeing people that I've been able to try to see in person or distance, um, and some new experiences. I've, I've seen a bunch of new trails in Connecticut that I haven't seen, um, a lot of new spaces right around here, and also tried a bunch of new things like food blogs. I worked at the polls this year, which was a totally new experience for me. So I think 2020 has been kind of a, a big reset. Well, thank you, Christy, for calling in and sharing that with us. Adriana, Lisa emailed us and, and wrote, I'm grateful for my good health and the good health of my family members, a roof over my head, plenty to eat, reliable friends, and I'd like to express my hopes. In 2021, I hope for healing nationally, internationally, and among friends and family who have been broken by differences. Normality, whatever that means now, I think that's a, a good thought to think about uh, as we look and we hope for uh, the coming year uh, and not dwelling in on the past, Adrian. 
Yeah, Lucy, you're exactly right. It's And what Bill just said a moment ago, it's those little tender mercies, right, we're looking for that give us hope. One, one of the best practice that as, as we did a lot of research was that, uh, you know, end of day, you know, as you're laying in bed kind of thinking about all the things that you've got to worry about the next day is uh, many people were telling us those who have turned their lives to be more grateful said that they begin their or end their nights by just laying there thinking about the good things that could happen tomorrow, little things like I can have another healthy day. Maybe I'll hear from an old friend. Maybe, maybe the sun will be shining. You know, you think about those little positives and it really just sets you up to have a restful night and begin the next day in, in a good way. Uh, what you have to do too, I heard a great little uh, thing a, a couple of days ago as well, that one uh, leader has begun doing on Friday afternoons uh, what he calls a wine and wine party with his, with his employees on Zoom. So they get their favorite beverage at four o'clock on Fridays and uh, alcoholic or non, and they just complain for an hour. And they and they are you know, those stupid customers and this, that, and the other. And at the end of the hour, though, they let it all go. So they begin their weekend with a very positive idea. By Monday morning, they come in again charged. So you got to look for those little things that will mm-hmm. keep you going and just let it go when it's when it's getting too much. Adrian Gostick, again, is co-author of Leading with Gratitude. Thank you, Adrian. We're going to talk to your co-author right after the break. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. As we head into break, here again are some former guests sharing their thoughts on gratitude. Charlie Nardozzi from the Connecticut Garden Journal. Probably one of the greatest things I'm thankful for this year is the garden. Just like that famous quote, when the world wearies and society fails to satisfy, there's always the garden. And it's been so great to have a garden, to be out in the garden when all the craziness is happening in the world, to find a little bit of sanity, a little bit of beauty, a little bit of food right outside my doorstep. My name is Julie, I live in Durham, and I'm grateful for the Municipal Land Trusts and other organizations that make hiking trails available to the public. It's been a real pleasure this year to discover trails on lands that are less well-known than the state parks and forests. This is Alan Marcus, Professor of Education at the University of Connecticut. I am thankful for all of our amazing social studies teachers in Connecticut. Not only have they had to adapt to the pandemic and adjust their teaching styles and teaching methods. But they have also accepted the challenge of teaching about controversial issues and the election in a polarized society, which is no easy task. Hello, this is Miguel Cardona, Commissioner of Education for the great state of Connecticut. I'm grateful for my life, my family, my job. I'm also grateful for the educators that we have defending public education in Connecticut the best they can. I'm grateful for the cafeteria aides, the custodians, teachers, the bus drivers, the mental health experts, the principals, superintendents. I'm grateful for the parents. And I'm grateful for my dedicated team at the State Department of Education. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're focusing on gratitude and we're so happy to hear from many of you throughout this hour. Danny's calling in from East Lyme. Danny, what did you want to share? 
Oh, hi. Um, hi, Lucy. Thanks for taking my call. And I just wanted to say that um, I live with one lung, so I have a, uh, I could be at high risk for COVID. And um, I have lived with one lung uh, since I was born. And I want to, th- and in 2016, I uh, contracted pneumonia and put me in the ICU. And I wanted to thank all the healthcare professionals at Yale New Haven Hospital, especially Dr. Siegel, who was able to basically revive me to where I am today. And and then today with COVID-19, I wanted to thank the friends and family that have kept me safe. And I'm in a fortunate position to be in a relative quarantine uh, for since February. And mm. I just, uh, I just um, am so blessed to have my son. He's uh, eight years old. He's virtual learning right now um, through Lily B. Haynes, who I, those teachers, I are essential workers and I love and respect them. And I want to thank my boy, uh, Steve, because he's also called me every single day to make sure I'm, I'm doing well. And uh, I want to make sure I thank my mom and dad and uh, I could just go on and, um, and, and my son's mother and my girlfriend, all, the, all these people have, you know, been up to date. And I want to thank you and NPR for just, uh, you know, keeping me up to date and on the cusp of everything that's been going on with COVID-19. Mm. Yeah. Danny, yeah. thank you so much. And we are glad that you're still with us. Thank you for calling with uh, to uh, the show. I wanted to bring in our other guest, uh, Chester Elton. Before we run out of time, again, he's co-author of Leading with Gratitude. Uh, Chester, uh, tell me what your response is as you listen uh, to so many people taking time to share about gratitude in a year where we have lost so much. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? I mean, that that list of all the things he was grateful for when he could be miserable, right? And and look at what's going wrong. You know, to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, I was thinking, you know, your show is a cornucopia of gratitude, you know, from the governor to first-line workers. And and thank you for doing that. You, you know what I love about what your, your listeners and people that have tuned in have done? And I think it's a wonderful best practice is rather than look at the pandemic and look at the year and say, why me? You know, why is this happening to me? They're asking, what am I supposed to learn? How can I, how can I take what I'm learning in this crisis and carry it forward? Hasn't it been interesting to listen to? Mm, it has. Uh, when we think about, we talked a little uh, earlier about how expressing when we are thankful or when we have gratitude, it can be a little awkward at times. And now that we may not see people in person like we want, what are some easy ways uh, to share with people that you are thankful, Chester? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny when Adrian and I were researching our book, uh, Leading with Gratitude, we came across this all the time. You know, leaders would say, well, I don't want to do it. I mean, I'm come across as being bogus and insincere. So there are some subtle ways you can do it. I, I, I'm a big fan, and I know it's old school, of handwritten notes. You know, let's face it, uh, Lucy, your mail is not that interesting these days. Right? You're getting like bills and flyers and stuff. And to get that like colored envelope with a little thank you card, it really is refreshing. You know, you take time to read it. It's an uninterrupted conversation. And and it's an easy way for, for those of you out there that are saying, hey, I'm, that's just not me, to do it in, in a non-confrontational or emotional way, right? You just sit down, you, you write a few lines of, of gratitude, and, and, and you pop it in the mail. Um, I've got a friend that loves to send out random texts. 
uh, we call them random acts of kindness. And uh, Bob Bodine, a good friend of, uh, of Adrian and mine down in, in uh, Dallas, Texas. And just every now and again, I'll get a great text from, from Bob. And he says, uh, hey, Chester, just thinking about you. Want, want, mm-hmm. want you to know that, you know, I value our friendship, that I love you, and that I'm cheering for you. You know, Bob. And I'll tell you a cute story. I, I've introduced Bob to, to many of my friends. And a good friend of mine up in Massachusetts, Ted Priestley, one day I, I get this random text and it says, uh, hey, Chess, I'm just thinking about you. Value our friendship. Why not? You know how much I love you. You know, uh, cheering for you, Ted. And my response was, are you with Bob Bodine right now? <laughs> you know, so it's a practice that can go viral. So a couple of tips there, random texts, which I think are always appreciated, and, and handwritten notes. Have you ever received a handwritten note, Lucy, that you kept, that you treasure? Oh, yes, and I do send them out, too. <laughs> Excellent. I, I wanted to fit in a quick call uh, before we run out of time. Doris is in uh, Southbury. Doris, we just have a couple of minutes. What did you want to share quickly? Okay, sure, real quick. Um, I just wanted to say that gratitude is basically, it's a choice that you make. It's, it's um, you know, we make so many choices uh, during the day we don't even realize it, but I think gratitude is one of those choices that you make that you decide to be. It's not magic, and once you make that choice to be grateful, you start losing sight of all the things that you thought were lacking. So it's kind of like a neat little circle. Once you make that choice to be grateful for what's in your life, everything seems to fall in place. Well, thank you, Doris, uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, I wanted to just uh, read quickly from our other listeners. We won't have time to take your calls, but Susan says that she's truly grateful our democracy survived the election. She took a deep breath yesterday and feeling grateful. And James in New Haven uh, shared with us that his family has a tradition, a game at dinner, that they take turns asking each other about what they're grateful for. And I think that's a, a great uh, a story to share with us as well. Uh, I want to thank Chester Elton again, co-author of Leading with Gratitude and co-founder of The Culture Works with Adrian Gostick, who we just spoke with. Chester, thank you so much. We hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. And you too. You know, I, Leading with Gratitude is a wonderful way to lead. I'll tell you what, it's also a better way to live. I love that mm-hmm. last caller. Uh, one, one last parting note. My father always said, you know what, Chester, happiness is a choice. Choose mm-hmm. to be happy. Thank you so much, Chester. Today's show, again, produced by Tess Terrible, who I'm thankful that she took a chance moving to Connecticut to be on our team. We are thankful for her. On the phones today, Carmen Baskoff, uh, who's been with this show for four years and continues to do great work. Thank you, Carmen. And our tech producer, Kat Pastor. Without her, you would not hear us each and every day. Thank you, Kat. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. As always, we're grateful to you for listening.